Hello and welcome to Map Bites episode 42. I'm Elaine Giles and I'm here with my co-host Mike Thomas. In this episode, we reveal the answer to the ultimate question of life, the universe and everything. As I said, it's episode 42. Yeah, and uh, to start with, uh, more pink tech. Uh, stuff you couldn't complain about though this week. Apparently not. I didn't think it would possible, but Oz Rose has outwitted me. She has found some pink tech I could not complain about. Uh, they were AA batteries and they were pink. Objectionably pink, but all in a good cause. Um, they'd made them pink. This is in um, Australia, I presume. I don't think I've seen them here. Um, made them pink to, in support of uh, breast cancer awareness. So I don't object to pink batteries just in that limited circumstance. All in a good cause, I think, for that Exactly. One. We also discussed Aperture in uh, our last episode, and I know you had a few issues with it. Have you had any more joy with it? Yeah, well, they brought out a patch very quickly, as we said. Um, they also brought out an additional one, a stealth patch, which was a system update for Pro Tools. And that contains some Aperture fixes as well. But to be honest, it's till, still too slow for me. Um, it, it's beach balling for sort of 20 seconds before it does something. So it's still not right. But I do like the feature set. So uh, I'm going to hold off a little bit before I waste any more time with it. But I am looking forward to be able to trying it properly um, because they are adding features that I, I would find quite useful. One of the ones is an export to Ember feature, which I'm looking forward to trying. Mm, what's Ember? Um, it's, I, I'm sure you've heard of Little Snapper. I have. I've got it on my phone. Yeah, from uh, Real Mac. Uh, yeah. it, well, the desktop version was included in Mac Heist 3 in uh, March last year. So um, a lot of people have it. Uh, and Ember is the online service uh, that goes with it. So if you have Little Snapper, you can elect to upload your creations to Ember. Um, it's really an online service for designers or creatives because of the free account um, only gives you access to 30 uploads uh, in a month. So it's a kind of upload service, but not the kind really that you would use for just quick screenshots to uh, show off on Twitter or something like that. Um, I tend to use it for stuff that I've designed, uh, like wireframes and things like that. So that's what I use it for. And yes, the iPhone version lets you upload to Ember as well. Yeah, I think I've just got Little Snapper for the phone. Well, I had Little Snapper for the phone, but it's no longer supported. It's no longer Little Snapper. Um, they actually sold Little Snapper for iPhone to another company called BitBQ, and it's now called Cinder. So I think what you downloaded was the new version called Cinder. That's right. Yeah, I think I'm getting confused with the Ember and Cinder. <laughs> and Little Snapper. Um, it, that a Cinder is actually free until the 17th of March. So if people are listening to this as soon as it's released, and if not, then why not? Um, then you can still get Cinder for free. Um, it's a bit of an odd app, given that people have opportunities to upload pictures in so many different ways. Um, but I, you might as well have it because it's free. Um, the Little Snapper for the iPhone used to cost. It was £1.79. So it wasn't a sort of 59p app either. Um, it does let you upload web captures to uh, Ember, which I've not seen. I don't think you'd have to take a screenshot and do it that way. So it did have a couple of unique features. So uh, I had the Little Snapper original version and uh, I've obviously downloaded the free one. It's not going to be free forever, Cinder isn't. It's going to be paid for. The reason that they've let it be free for, I think it's two weeks, is because... 
they can't give uh, free upgrades to the people who had Little Snapper. And now that it's owned by a different company, the way the App Store works, you have no choice uh, but to charge for it from the beginning or make it free for everybody. You can't just make it free for a certain group of people. So what they've decided to do is make it free for two weeks for everybody. So um, that's why I recommended you download it. Ah, good stuff. And uh, talking of free software, you found another one, didn't you, this week? Oh, I did. Um, in episode 24, we covered alternatives to Finder. Uh, I went for Pathfinder, and I think at the time you went for Forklift. Forklift, yeah. And I talked about one that I'd used on Windows called Directory Opus. And Directory Opus for Windows was very similar to look at um, and in features and concept to something called Norton Commander. Well, I found something on the Mac called MU Commander. And if anybody has seen Norton Commander, this is going to look incredibly familiar. And I was convinced that what I wanted on the Mac was um, sort of the, the power version of Norton Commander, which was called Directory Opus. Um, because I had lots of buttons configured, it was ultimately configurable. There was nothing that you couldn't configure it to do. Uh, it had its own, own little scripting language and, and multiple buttons and toolbars and all sorts. And I had it set up to have a dual pane view and in the middle of it, between the two panes, there was a toolbar, a vertical toolbar. And I had on there where I select things on the left and we discussed, didn't we? You always tend to move left to right. And I had a button to move and a button to copy. And that's what I was really looking for on the Mac. And I couldn't find anything. Well, I've now found this MU Commander and it's a case of be careful what you wish for because it does look exactly like I was thinking I wanted it to look. Only now I've seen it, it's not pretty. Um, it's possibly too Windows-like for some and that would include me. But on the upside, it's free, so you can always give it a go. Um, I know a lot of people say they like the idea of Pathfinder and they like all it can do, but it's overkill. So this one hasn't got all the features of Pathfinder, nothing like, but it does have the dual view. Um, it has lots of buttons. It looks very strange, actually. It looks like some kind of Windows hybrid, doesn't it? It does. I'm actually just looking at a screenshot now on Mac Update, and it, it's got a toolbar across the top. We've got a load of buttons down the bottom. Uh, but I think that the dual pane view, but like you say, I mean, you can get dual pane view in other apps. It's just that they do cost. So um, if funds are tight because you're saving up for an iPad or something, then maybe this is the one to go for. Or if you want something that looks like Windows, maybe for all those sliders. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But it, for me, it was a case of, oh, look, that's exactly what I wanted. Oh, my word. It's horrible. <laughs> so <laughs> I've learnt my lesson. <laughs> I shall be more circumspect in my, in my uh, desires in the future. But I have some good news on the software front. This is something I never thought I'd be saying because um, we've discussed it. We discussed fireworks and CS4 and the, the disaster that befell me when I upgraded to Snow Leopard. Um, fireworks crashes repeatedly every single time it's closed. Um, they are aware of it. Adobe are more than aware of it. And uh, if you remember me saying, my crash reports were getting longer and longer and much more flowery in language, shall we say. Um, and they came out and they said, look, we're, we're aware that it's crashing and we know what, what's causing it and we're not going to fix it, which I thought was even more disgusting. That was the point. My crash reports got much, much longer and much more detailed. Anyway, they've changed their mind. And finally, an update is promised to fix the crash on quit. 
They've listened to you. Yes, I know. It's scary, isn't it? I, I was quite impressed. I thought, ah, it's working. You know, I, I've got this um, five-page complaint every time it crashes on um, a speed key, and you're listening. Uh, the bad news is it's not going to be imminent. It's going to be the second um, quarter of the year. So we've got a good couple of months to wait for it yet. And it is putting me off using fireworks. And, and that's really sad because it's a great product. It's fantastic uh, for what it does, which is not the same as Photoshop. Some people think, why, are, why is there fireworks and Photoshop? They're both graphics. Fireworks is brilliant for what it does and you can't beat it for wireframing and mock-ups. But just knowing it's going to crash and when it does, it's going to sort of wait for about a minute. Then it's going to show me the first crash dialogue that I'm going to put my eulogy in. And then it's going to show me another one. And one's going to go off to Adobe and one's going to go off to Apple. And yes, I can tell it not to show one of them, but I cannot do with it. I can't tell it not to show the other one. So I know I'm going to get this dialogue box. And the thing is, like I said, it's insidious. You think, oh, it's shut down. It's been at least 20 seconds. It's not going to show me the dialogue. And then just when you least expect it, up it pops. So uh, I'm looking forward to that one. Hopefully it won't take as long as they're saying it's going to, but uh, at least it's coming. So uh, that was that for software. But onward, we have lots and lots more software this week, don't we? We do. Uh, we'll start with Mark Heist, um, which it's finished now, hasn't it, that bundle? But yep. uh, I bought it. I actually waited a few days after you bought it, not for any particular reason. It's just It was just low down on my to-do list. And I paid for that. I paid for that wait. It cost me 11 pence more because of the exchange rate. <laughs> the exchange rate's going through the floor. It's not good news. Yes, let's not talk about the exchange rate. No, what I'm th what I'm thinking is actually I'm I'm looking on the positive side of the exchange rate, and um, because it's going down so rapidly, and doesn't seem to reco be recovering anytime soon, I've made a list of things I'd like to buy, and I'm convincing myself that I should buy them now before it gets any worse. <laughs> so I'm looking on the positive side of that, like the iPad before it's out. Well, yeah, I would be. Let's not go there yet. No, I'm still sulking about that. You were talking about the Nano Bundle. Yes, the Nano, but it, it did look pretty good. Um, Flow. Flow is one application that I did install, um, which is a, a much faster uh, FTP client than the one we were using, which was Yummy. Um, um, I liked, that was my main reason for buying it as well, because I had Rapid Weaver. Um, and we did try Flow, and I liked it. Um, it was quite expensive for an FTP client on a, on the Mac because there are free alternatives that are very capable. What we did say was it was very, very fast. Um, but we didn't buy at the time. I tested it in beta. We didn't buy it originally because I found a couple of problems with it. But it's been out that long now uh, and I had another go with it and everything seems to be fine with it. So I thought that was one of the best applications in there, although it might be considered a bit niche for some people. Yeah, Rapid Weaver. I, have you used Rapid Weaver? Um, not in anger. I, I've gone in and had a look at it to do certain things, but I've never actually uploaded a page from it, which is quite a sad admission, isn't it? I've got Dreamweaver and I actually hand code. So uh, my editor of choice is a text editor. Well, it's not just a text editor. It is um, a web page editor called Espresso. So, um, no, but it, it's very capable and it can give you, um, a, it, it's for people who don't really code, isn't it, I'd say. It is. It's very and visual. For, the, for, for what we paid for the bundle, which was $20, it's, it's worth having a licence. Well, as you know, I, I had a problem trying to edit the page. I'd inherited this horrendous page um, because of what it was being used for. It had to be a web page 
in a page. It could not have external CSS. It, it could not have any includes or anything else. And it was table based just for good measure. And that couldn't be changed. And it was driving me mad trying to edit it in a text editor because there was just it was just too complicated. They hadn't put even any carriage returns in the text. So I went through all my visual editors one at a time, trying to find one that I could settle with and just edit the table uh, in a WYSIWYG view. And Rapid Weaver was the last one I tried. Every other one had failed miserably. Dreamweaver was rewriting it at will. Um, and I went through a few others. Uh, Flux was one. Um, what else have we got this WYSIWYG? I tried the lot. And the From last page. Yeah, no, 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 no. I wasn't that, <laughs> at that level of desperation. But I got to Rapid Weaver and it looked hopeful. But for some reason, when I actually got to the preview, it, well, it, it had edited what I wanted it to edit. That was the upside. The downside was it had wrapped it in a theme that it would not be told to disapply. But the theme itself wasn't offensive. So I thought, it's a bit like iWeb Pro, isn't it? And I think considering the price of it, the fact it was in the bundle made the bundle a no-brainer for a lot of people. Yeah, one that people were talking about, it was either on Twitter or it was in the, the chat that we had after our last event, was Rip It. And uh, I know that every time you want to rip a disc, you have to get the Windows box out, don't you? Well, many moons ago when um, DVD home recording dvd was sort of the cutting edge this was about six six or seven years ago we paid we're, a fortune we're always for, on the bleeding edge aren't we we are um we we bought um a dvd recorder uh, sat underneath the tv so it didn't the, the recordings didn't touch the computer and it was brilliant i thought oh this is fantastic you know no more no more horrible tapes and then you know no more the tapes stuck in there kind of thing and it was great and then I ended up with, you know, by this stage, I'd probably burnt about 20 to 30 discs. And all of a sudden I stopped dead and thought, oh, I need to get a copy of this to a friend. How am I going to copy this? And um, I found a piece of software on the PC called Shrink, which not only copied um, your own DVDs, but it, it did the naughty job and, and copied, um, bought DVDs as well. And when I went to the Mac, there was nothing that I could even get that would copy a disc properly, really. Um, not even the ones I'd recorded myself. So, yeah, I still have that one Windows laptop and I still have Shrink on there. Uh, Rip It seems rather different. It seems to be, it's not for making a copy of the disc, a physical copy of the disc. It's for making um, an electronic copy on a hard drive. I don't know if you could burn what it rips back to another disc. That I don't know, but it, I've seen it work. Um, we had a demonstration at our last live event, didn't we, by Mark? Mm. And uh, it seemed to do its job very quickly, I thought. And what you get is an exact copy of your disk, but stored on your hard drive. So as long as you've got lots and lots and lots of hard drive space, that could work well for you and you can put the originals away. I'm not sure about the complete legality of it, but uh, that's the job that the software does. And yes, you're right, it was another one that was one of the applications that people talked about a lot. There were some applications in there that were sort of um, just fillers as far as I was concerned. But uh, yeah, those three got a lot of uh, chatter going about them, didn't they? Yeah. Um, I know you've got some issues with the, the, the concept of Mac Heist, haven't you? No, it wasn't really me that had the issues. I've heard criticism of Mac Heist. You know, if you don't, if you don't like the concept, I've heard somebody say that they don't like the concept and they're not sure why. If you don't like the concept, then you don't really have to participate. But it's not going to go away anytime soon because it's so popular and it's profitable for those who organise it. 
Uh, there is the charity aspect to it, and I think that that could be viewed as being a little contrived. You know, everything's OK as long as you give a little bit to charity. Um, I don't have a problem with it at all, really. You know, if I, if I didn't want to participate, then I just wouldn't. And I wouldn't have a negative view of anybody who did want to participate. It's very much up to them. The is, it the, is it the sort of bundle idea that, that people are against or is it the which um, i think you're going to talk about in a minute but is, is it the, the tweeting bit um there's people i i heard on various podcasts who, who had sort of complaints about it were saying that it kind of devalued software um but i think people understand the value of the software because if the software that's in the bundle isn't that to their liking then they won't buy it so with this one as we've just pointed out there were three applications there that we know I'll probably use, I mean, I definitely will use Flow, absolutely. Um, and Rapid Weaver, you know, people know the value of Rapid Weaver. That's why they bought the bundle. And then, of course, when Tweety 2, uh, well, access to the beta of Tweety 2 and Tweety 1 was included in it, sales just skyrocketed. So it's not that people are saying, oh, if the, if there's software in a bundle, then it can't be worth having. Completely the reverse. People do know the value of it and they bought it. Um, I'm not keen on the bit where you can have three more pieces of software if you blast your tweeters um, with it. I agree with letting your tweet followers know that there's something to be had. But, you know, once you've seen it for the 50th time, it can get a little bit too much. Um, it's, it's a hard line to tread that, you know. People get, think, oh, I've got this piece of information and I want to tell people. That's absolutely fine. I suppose it depends how many people you follow and how many times you see it. And I know you're not supposed to anymore with the retweets, but seeing as though it depends on the client you're using, and I found the retweets to be a bit erratic, heaven knows how many times you'd actually see it. Um, I really don't know. But no, I don't have a problem with Mac Heist. If you don't like it, don't participate and, and don't um, upset other people by complaining about it. Just live and let live, I'd say. Uh, one useful thing I found that people might not have noticed yet, uh, when you go to the receipt page, there is an option to download your serials in one of a couple of formats. Um, and one of them is 1Password. So you can, um, if you think of how many pieces of software and how many serials you ended up with from the bundle, uh, to put them in manually would take some time. So you can actually download a file with your personalised serials and import them. So um, we've got uh, a bit of a guide as to how to do that on the website. So um, worth having a look at. It saved me a lot of time. Yeah, I, I hadn't even noticed that one, but then I've not downloaded all the software yet. I think I've only downloaded Flow because I wanted to install that and use it. Um, but I have got it in my inbox, ready to click all the links when I get a minute. <laughs> yeah, when you get a minute. Remind oh. me about that. Uh, anyway, more software, more free software. Um, I used something called iArchiver from Dare to be Creative. And uh, strangely, I uh, was searching around Mac Update to find that uh, they had... According to what I read at the time, they were going to replace iArchiver with a new product called Rucksack. Now, what iArchiver does is let you create zip archives and archives of various other formats. And I'd virtually given up with um, Stuff It Deluxe. I've got the just the, um, what's it called, the unarchiver part. Um, but I haven't got the purchased for one anymore. I used to have it. And if you remember, it was the first problem I actually had with a Mac where everything disappeared off the desktop uh, and it kept restarting the desktop, didn't it? Restarting the finder. Mm. And I, 
I was very lucky to find out what the problem actually was and it was a problem with a Stuff It update. So I didn't bother to update it anymore and then I found this iArchive and it did the job. So I've been using it ever since. So noticing it was going to be replaced by Rucksack, I downloaded the beta and I installed it and had a go with it. It's a bit wizard based but it's very, very simple and it gives you more than enough options. So I'd been using it and then yesterday, which was uh, Saturday, it said it would be released. So I thought, right, OK, then what's the upgrade policy? Because in effect, it's version two of iArchiver from what I've read. And uh, I followed the link and there it was. And it was going, it was telling me it was twenty nine dollars. And I thought, oh, that's all its money. Where's the update page? You know, what, 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 how much is my upgrade to find out? I couldn't find one at all. And I went round in circles clicking all these links and I ended up back at the Dare to be Creative page at creativebee.com and there wasn't a mention of Rucksack on their site. It was still saying iArchiver and you could still buy it. So I thought, ah, not sure what's going on here. Um, but I thought, well, OK, you know, I've, I've got this installed, so I'll, I'll just try it um, and I'll get in touch with them. It wouldn't let me try it um, because I tried the beta. It was telling me that my trial was up. Um, and I couldn't put a serial number in. It wouldn't accept the iArchiver serial number. So I wasn't pleased. I thought, this is ridiculous. You know, if you're going to release this and it's going to replace a product, then at least give me some idea what it's going to cost and I'll make a decision whether I want to try it or not. The site hadn't been updated. It was just confusing going round uh, from site to site. But then today, and uh, thanks to Mike Bright for the heads up on this, which is a good use of Twitter to tell me something I didn't know. Um, they're giving it away. Um, this is Rucksack. Uh, which and it's going to be free until the 23rd of March uh, via a site called MacBuzzer.com. So I headed on over there and guess what? They wanted me to tweet it out. <laughs> and I thought, oh dear. <laughs> so you can't have this unless you're prepared to tweet it out. But for quite a while, I've had a second Twitter account. So rather than uh, offend all my followers who half of them don't own a Mac because they're training related followers, um, I tweeted it out on this second account and uh, I managed to get my hands on it. But you weren't so lucky, were you? I wasn't, no. I'm actually just checking my mail as we speak. Um, yeah, I tweeted it out twice. I tweeted it out and it said it was going to send me the uh, the licence key. Um, and I left it about three or four hours. Um, and I went back and I actually sent them an email. I sent them an email, email and said, this is my Twitter account. This is my email address. This is when I sent it. And I got back, um, wasn't even a personalised email. It was like an advert that was actually linking me to their site to actually go out and tweet the, the, the thing. So I did it. And when I tweeted the thing, it actually said, you've already tweeted this. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to put a couple of blank spaces in the middle of the two sentences. And two hours later, uh, I'm still waiting for this email. So uh, um, I'll see if I get it. I'll report back to you next time. Well, that's not great, is it? It's not. I did actually get the same email you did, but I got it. Um, they did have a nice policy at the bottom. They actually not only said that you'd, you're subscribed to this newsletter and if you want to unsubscribe, then click here. They actually told you when you'd subscribed and why. Um, you'd subscribed. You subscribed when you bought product XYZ, which I thought was very good. Mm. And it was advertising the fact that you could get Rucksack for free from MacBuzzer.com. Now, I'd already sorted that out. So um, whether they're inundated now, I don't know. But uh, I hope it works out for you. Thank you. I know. I'm too kind, <laughs> aren't I? And there was much excitement as well. Um between now and the last show, because Devon Think 2 was released. Uh, it's been a while. Um, I, it's actually been in beta for over 12 months and I'd been using it 
as a production piece of software right from the first beta I got my hands on. It, it's just brilliant. It's an absolutely brilliant piece of software. Um, and although uh, I've, I've had it a long time, I managed to get an update from um, Devon, Devon Note, not Devon Think. It was called Devon Note at the time, which was part, I think, of the very first Mac Heist bundle. So uh, that's, that's another good use for bundles. Uh, if you get something, you try it and you think, this is actually really good, but I'd like uh, to upgrade, then they, they honoured the upgrade. And um, even though I, I'd got it as part of a bundle, they honoured the upgrade and I got a very good price on DevonThink 1. And uh, I paid for my upgrade over 12 months ago, so it was like a free toy. And I'm rather pleased I paid for it so long ago because we've just discussed the exchange rate. It would have cost me a lot more now. But it's a, it's such a wonderful product. It, there's nothing I've thought that I want to do with my data that it can't do. It's got a great feature set. Yeah, uh, and I use 0.00001% of that feature set. So you don't know what it is that you don't know in terms of what DevonThink does. Mm, quite right. Actually, it's it's easily forgotten just how much work has gone into version two, because it's in beta for so long and they they've sort of drip fed out the new features. But if you actually looked back at Dev and Think One and you look at Dev and Think Two, it's amazing. Um, I I couldn't work without it. I really couldn't. Yeah, the problem is that my my Dev and Think data isn't portable. Yeah, that's something that I've discussed with people when I say that I use so many different types of data organisers. I mean, I have data in um, DevonThink. I have a lot of data in DevonThink. I have other data in Circus Ponies Notebook. I have yet more data in Evernote. I've got data in Google Wave. And I don't have a problem that my data is in different places because I don't try and make one product work for everything. And I hear what you're saying about DevonThink. I believe they're working on some sort of iPhone app um, in relation to your DevonThink data. Now you're thinking, are you insane? Because you'd be downloading gigs and gigs worth of it. Um, DevonThink has the ability to create a website on your computer. So you create, um, you give it, it's very simple. You don't have to go in, into the intricacies of it um, on your system, but through DevonThink, you give it a port number and a name. So you share it as, you know, my data, and you can connect to it from other machines. So I'm assuming what the iPhone version is going to do is allow you to do that, but remotely. Um, so your data will live on your system and you will have remote access to it. But there's also the other option, which is there is an Evernote importer, which will look at your DevonThink data and import it into Evernote. And then you can take a subset with you on the road via Evernote. Sounds interesting. Um, you know what? We should make this one of our MacBite Lives because uh, I need to know what I don't know. You know. You're the fifth person in about 10 days to request that, so I guess we should. Yeah, and from one live event to another, next week we're doing um, Office 2010. That's the Windows version. But um, coming soon is Microsoft Office 2011 for the Mac. Oh, joy. Uh, yeah, as I was saying, uh, complete with a ribbon. Um, to quote from the Office for Mac blog, the Office for Mac ribbon presents new and commonly used controls in Office for Mac, otherwise located in the formatting palette and the elements gallery in an intuitive, results-oriented and Mac-like design. Is that a very long way of saying it's horrible? Because I've seen it and it's absolutely vile. Uh, it gets better or worse, depending on your view. Together, the menu bar, standard bar and ribbon complement each other seamlessly. Now, in in um, 
in the Windows version, they got rid of the menu bar and the standard bar and just left you with the ribbon, but this just looks like overkill. Um, carry on with the quote, because obviously that was just me giving my opinion. Ranting. <laughs> I'm a, such a bad influence. The standard toolbar hosts the most highly used controls, such as new open print save. So if you've seen a standard toolbar in Office sometime in the past 20 years, you'll know where and what to expect. And the Office for Mac ribbon hosts the my hosts the highly used formatting and creation tools that were previously distributed between the formatting palette and the elements gallery in Office 2008. Who wrote that? It's just not Mac-like. It's, it's not. horrible. There's there's too many controls and even the ribbon itself, it looks it looks like a wireframe drawing of an interface rather than being at least on Windows, it it sort of fits in with the chrome of the operating system. Yeah, I've got used to the ribbon now on uh, on the Windows version, but this just looks like a mishmash. Yeah, you, you've got um, a Mac toolbar at the top, then you've got what looks like a Windows toolbar, then you've got these tab things that's supposed to be the ribbon but looks like an alpha of the ribbon. And while we're at it, the actual site um, that we've got that quote from, the site is appalling. It's supposed to be a blog. What what it does that actually look like? It's like size 10 point text with um, 0.5 um, line spacing. It's horrible. It, it, it's just horrendous. I mean, I've, I have problems with Microsoft site the best of times, especially if I have to go in uh, into the partner portal and, and things for clients who use it. But that is just very, very difficult to read. And it's just visually not appealing at all. So the software is horrible. The site's diabolical and I won't be rushing out to buy it. Uh, I'm hoping that the next iWork, which is still not cited and I've still got fingers crossed for it, I just hope it continues to improve whatever it needs to improve in terms of compatibility to reduce people's need for Office. Um, I don't have Office installed. I've never had Office installed on a Mac. I do have Open Office, and that's purely for compatibility. I very seldom open it, um, even if I've got probably the, the most needy application that I, I need in it to, to um, access Office documents is probably Excel because Numbers is great and I love it, but sometimes if, if the data's too big or the data's too complicated, numbers just can't handle it. And I'd love to get rid of Open Office and be able to rely on iWork, so I'm hoping for good things. Not really from a creation point of view, because I find iWork more than capable for anything that I want to create new. It's stuff that people send me that I have to look at, and I'm sure other people have the same problem. Yeah, the other the other good use for uh, Open Office, as, as Jane seventy three um, tweeted this week, is opening a password protected Excel file. No, I've again, I've not really had the need for that, but I can appreciate again financial information. It, it's likely to be password protected. I would have thought. Yeah, I I actually had some financial inform home financial information in a password protected Excel spreadsheet, and used Open Office to open it. I think um, the last, my last experience with password protected Excel sheets was somebody um, at a company who was a client and they'd, whoever put the password on it had lost it and then left the company and they were left with, you know, three years of financial information and they couldn't get in. Never so have heard that one before. Mm, it's like the I sat on the pen drive one, isn't it? I get that three times a week as well. Um, or the pen drive went through the wash. Sorry about that. Can you fix it? Um, so what I do with um, Office passwords is um, I have some nice software that removes them for me. So uh, I could probably get away with that. But uh, yes, like I say, Excel stuff 
it sometimes numbers just can't cope with it. But I do love the way numbers handles the layouts. And I find if I had to choose between sort of really powerful or capable of doing a nice layout, I'd go with a nice layout because I, I mean, I'm sure we've, we've mentioned this. I, I had stuff custom built in Excel and it was great. Uh, you know, I didn't have to think. I could go in, there was a form, I filled the form and it put the data where it needed to be. And it was great. But when it came time to print something out, it was on four different pages and you had to make, is it a report or something? Yeah. Oh, oh, you're dragging me back to this. It's horrible. And it just wasn't pretty. You, you literally ended up printing it out and then thinking, well, you know, I'll cut that with a pair of scissors and sellotape that to that. It was that bad. Um, it was hard work to get a report that looked anything like decent. It was very, very hard work. And I know that you don't have the advanced formulas and functions, but because I go back so far with spreadsheets, I remember when all you could do was add numbers together and anything else, you had to know the math to do it. And that's what I'd do. I'd write a very long, compli complicated formula rather than use a function because there were no functions. It was really going back to tablets of stone, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. You, you taught me spreadsheets. You taught me everything I know. Ah, oh, you made a monster. Anyway, talking of software, more software, more software. Yes, some software that I use that's... Um, I actually find it completely indispensable. It's a little application called Witch. Um, and what it allows you to do, it improves the uh, Alt and Tab um, on Windows, where you would tab between applications, um, which is Command and Tab on your Mac. And what I find is it doesn't always, I'm sure you've had this, it doesn't always um, return to you a window. It activates an application, but then you sit there and you think, where's the window? And uh, it allows you to uh, manage the windows themselves rather than just the applications. And the reason I'm mentioning it is uh, it's not been updated in a while, actually. And it's from the same company that makes Yflix and Butler, which is one of their big products, and Leech, which is a download manager. And the software company is called Many Tricks. Um, and they've just had some exciting news that they've taken on uh, into partnership Rob Griffith, who was the founder of macoshints.com. So they announced this and I thought, well, that's great, you know, because the guy hasn't been able to release too many updates, probably because he's got too much admin to do, which is what he says in the press release. And so it's great news. He's getting help with the admin. But the bad news was um, I've kept my eye on the site thinking, oh, hopefully something, you know, some updates. And they've halted software sales and they've been halted for over three weeks now. That's strange. Um, yeah, if you're in the middle of a trial, then you're you're out of luck, aren't you? If I was trialing something, it would certainly put me off, actually. And I'm just hoping that they come back because which is just completely indispensable. Which remind me again? Window switching. Ah, yes. Window switching within applications. It doesn't. Um, it's it's one of these apps that you can run alongside what you already use. Um, so if you if you end up going on a Mac that doesn't have it on there. You're not completely lost. It just won't do what you want it to do. Um, I use both. I use the default, which um, takes me through applications, but I also use which in two or three different ways, actually. Um, if I'm in an application and I've got, you know, like Safari and you might have um, 10 different windows, not tabs now, but actual windows, you can go between them using which um, it just works as a preference panel and um, oh, a preference pane and it's it's on a shortcut key and you can create 
hundreds of shortcut keys. You can go forwards through the windows, backwards through the windows. It's a very, very clever piece of software. It's not that expensive either. For any switches, it's completely, completely necessary. Um, it used to drive me mad when you had to go back to the dock and then you know click on it to actually get the window back. You've activated the app, but not the window. So um, I would recommend that people go and have a look at it, but <laughs> maybe not because if, if you like it you're not going to be able to buy it right now so uh, hopefully they'll come back very very soon yeah and another freebie that uh, you mentioned to me which i've not heard of is aviary aviary yeah um aviary? it's been around a while they they offered me a beta test in it a long time ago oh easy 18 months ago it's an online photo editing application um, but over the months, they've um, added extra things to it. So it can also create logos. You can create web templates, uh, filters, colour palettes. You can do screen captures and, and lots more. Um, it's now got watermarks and new features of audio editing as well. One of the things that they're, they're pushing with it is that you can create avatars. So literally like little cartoon avatars um, and they give you it's a bit like fuzzy felt if you remember that far back <laughs> you've got mustaches and eyes and hair and you build up an avatar with it um, it is one of those you've got to tweak this out to win a macbook thing they've got that kind of thing going on um, i actually haven't seen even one tweet from anybody who's entered that competition so unless everyone's done like me and got a second account for that kind of thing um I've not seen any, but um, now it's free. I think it's definitely worth a go. And right now there's big changes in this market um, of online photo editing application type things because Google's just bought Picnic. Yeah, that looks similar to Avery. Um, because I use Photoshop, I've only used both of those very, very briefly. But I can see that there's a market for them because services like these are going to be increasingly important with the iPad out there. Obviously, you're not going to be putting Photoshop on the iPad anytime soon. But the ability to browse to one of these services, and I don't know how fast it would be, but be able to edit photos has got to be a benefit. So I can see why Google have decided to buy Picnic, certainly. Um, and while we're talking about photo editing, one of the dangers of photo editing, yes. Um, I got an email uh, which was advertising a book and the book is um, Windows only versions of Office and it's advertising, well, the book itself is about the privacy settings within Office uh, and all different versions of Office going right back, I think, to um, Office 2000. And on the front cover, which is a lurid orangey type colour, I think, there is a Mac emblazoned right across the cover and on it it says uh, office 2000 office xp office 2003 and it's a mac and believe me this this uh, company who's selling this i don't think they have ever mentioned office on a mac so um the, the dangers of photo editing be very careful just because the computer looks pretty doesn't mean it's going to run your software they <laughs> they have never mentioned running windows or office on a mac but um, they obviously like the picture because it's right across the front of their book Oh, anyway, enough criticism of other people. Oh, hell, why not? Let's carry on. Did you hear the interview with the creator of the Startup Sound? No, I didn't. Um, it was really interesting. It was um, a video that he'd done. Um, I think it was um, for a Dutch TV channel or something, because the beginning of it wasn't in English. But the actual interview itself was, and I found it fascinating. I had no idea just how much went into the creation of the Startup Sound. It was a very interesting watch, but startup sound. I'd rather rip its very soul out of all my machines, I'm afraid. 
especially when I'm working late and I've got to reboot because amazingly and strangely enough the later it is the louder the startup sound appears to be. Mm, don't they call that sods law or something? Talking of that, there was a discussion on uh, another podcast that I listened to uh, about the, the the setting the volume for the the startup sound. Apparently, on on some, I think it's on on some MacBooks. If you um, if you set the sound level just before you turn it off, then whatever sound level it was at is what the the the, the startup sound will be when you turn it back on. So if you mute it before you turn it off, then it, it should be mute when you turn it back on. Um, but this discussion also was talking about somebody said that it comes through the speakers, even if the headphone socket has uh, headphones in it. Yeah, I've heard that before. Um, and it, when you listen to it, you think that makes sense. And then you try it. Um, the sound does not come through. Um, well, it, it does come through the speakers, um, but where you're saying, you know, even if the headphone socket's got headphones in it, you'll still hear it. Indeed, you do, mm. because what my setup is, um, I have a very high end pair of speakers and they are plugged into the headphone socket and I have a volume control and an on off switch for the speakers and I turn the speakers off and you can still hear it and you can still hear it very, very loud. Yeah, and I've got um, headphones pretty much permanently plugged into the headphone socket. And like you say, I can still hear it when I turn it on. I, I will say um, that the machine, I have heard it, or I, I maybe I'm losing my mind. I have heard it quieter than it is right now. So maybe I did change the volume somewhere along the line. Um, I've certainly not unplugged anything. So I've still got these speakers plugged in, but it seems louder to me now. But I suppose that could be me. But there is software to stop it. You can stop it completely. Yeah, have you used it? Have you tried that software? Well, no. Because although I hate the startup sound, without it, I'd think the machine was broken. And you know my track record with breaking things. Yes, we do, don't we? <laughs> we do. So I've left it alone. Um, and I'm also thinking, you know, what processor power is it going to take to, to turn this thing off? And, and you only hear it at the beginning anyway. So I've left it alone, you'll be pleased to know. That's one thing I haven't broken yet. It's annoying, but not that annoying. It depends how many times my machine takes one on itself and I have to reboot. Um, so... It's not too annoying at the moment. But do you remember about two or three months ago, Apple, for some strange reason, went through updating patches virtually every other day. Yeah. And every one needed a reboot. And by the end of the week, it was driving me absolutely mad. But they've, they've only really been the Safari update lately. So I only really had to reboot for that. So it's not too annoying. I, if I can do it during the day, you know, like I said, mentally, it just doesn't sound as loud. But at night, it does. So... No, I've left it alone. I've left it alone because I, or, I already managed to break something else this week. I broke Chrome this week. Yes, I found an interesting issue um, with fonts in Google Chrome. What I was seeing was um, instead of text on my page, and it wasn't a strange font or anything, it was just for Dana or Ariel. Um, all I was seeing was capital A's inside squares for all the text on a page. Anyway, um, I got pointed on Twitter to um, a few forums and it's a known issue and it's all to do with having duplicate fonts. Now, as far as I was concerned, I didn't have any duplicate fonts, but the duplicate fonts turned out to be that you can have system fonts and the same fonts in your user fonts. Um, and one or other of them needs removing. 
Now I've got a font manager so I was able to do it with just turning the fonts on and off um, but I'll put in links in the show notes to the sites that give you the instructions because uh, it did fix it. So um, although I broke it I recovered myself and it's now fixed. So is it time? It is. Should we try and do it in one take this week? Mm. After three. One. Two. Three. Two. Three. <laughs> I... <laughs> No, see, that's not good. We can't even get the one, two, three right. <laughs> Never mind the rest. Right, I'll do the one, two, three. Oh, so professional. One, two, three. iPhone, iPhone, iPhone. iPhone, iPhone. iPhone. Not bad. We'll leave it <laughs> We alone. should record that slot it in. <laughs> yes, this week, um, an iPhone mod that I thought was really nice. Um, somebody has taken an iPhone to pieces and reassembled it with a gorgeous titanium alloy back on it. Now, have you seen the pictures? Yeah, I have seen the pictures. It looked great. My concern was, uh, and I'm not a scientist, um, how heavy is titanium? I've no idea, but it looked nice. Um, I'm sure it's crack resistant, though, having seen the back of my iPhone. Uh, mine's not too bad because it's in a case. If, if, I, if I leave the house, it's in a case. A very thin case because I don't like... I mean, there are some cases I've seen and they are, oh boy, are they bad. You know, big, thick leather things and all sorts. Um, mine's very, just, just very, very thin. Um, and it's kept pretty nice. But I think if you put an iPhone down on the table, because the back's not flat, it just gets scratched as soon as look at it. So I don't think it could be as bad. Um, in terms of resilience, I think it's got to be a bit stronger than the plastic. Um, I've, I've heard of so many that are cracked or broken. So um, I think it's got to be better. I know originally the, the version ones had metal backs, didn't they? And they did look reasonably nice. Apparently they got rid of it because the signal wasn't good. So the signal improved when they put plastic on it. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping that they might put something nice. They might change the form factor for version four, but I'm not, I'm not confident because other people have said no. You know, they're going with the same one and, and just updating the software, really. Probably make it a little bit faster. I'd like to see it um, a, a bit better built. Because, I mean, every time you see the Apple store, you hear of people with a phone. They, they seem to be getting the phones exchanged. As though that Apple are acknowledging that, you know, they're not really up to it. Which brings us back to that video, does it, of the, that phone. You know the indestructible phone? Oh, yes. That the, the man broke the, on the side of the fish tank? On the fish tank, yes. Yeah, it was, it was a classic, though, wasn't it? I mean, with an iPhone, you can barely hold it in your hand without breaking it, so you wouldn't be trying that with it. But it was it just looked really, really nice. Um, if Apple see that, I, I, you know, please look at it, Apple, because I like it. I think it looks really nice. Of course, you know what Apple are like? Even if they make the, the back of it metal, it'll be shiny metal. And that scratches as soon as look at it as well. If you think back to um, fifth gen iPods of ours. Yeah. Now, mine's been in a case since the day I bought it and it is scratched like crazy. So um, so is mine. I mean, I, I did take it out of a case, but I only took it out of the case once it had been scratched to blazes. Mm, exactly. Because it's so shiny. I think um, iPod touches have that same shiny back, don't they? Yeah. I think it's a great shame. Um, you can make stuff that's scratch resistant and it would be nice that you know you can actually use your toy with it without thinking as soon as i use it it's going to look dreadful um and iphone uh, the ipod touches are being treated as iphone alternatives by three at the moment um they're offering um a MiFi plus ipod bundle and um well they obviously haven't got iphones so uh, it's this as an alternative and it, it looks like the same uh, MiFi that we had from three 
Yeah, for those of you who remember, uh, it's only three episodes ago, um, we did review the, uh, My Fire from 3, and you know, it was okay when I was out and about with the dog, but our problem was we had no signal at home and I had no signal at work. Um, not that I expected one where I work. So a couple of weeks ago, we bought another MiFi from Novatel. It comes with no SIM, so we looked at various providers and decided to give Virgin a try. We've got a dongle and a £15 a month contract, uh, which gives us 3 gig. Uh, stuck the SIM in the MiFi and away we went. Now, the signal's not brilliant at home, but... Uh, I'm coming uh, to the conclusion there's lead in our walls. Yeah, it's... Well, I think there's, there's lead in the walls in the main building at work where I get no signal. But in our office, I actually did get something. I tested it out with my MacBook Pro and I, I did actually get... I even actually managed to get to YouTube and play some videos. Well, that has got to be the biggest achievement ever. Mm. So, uh, yeah, we were OK with the, with the Virgin SIM, weren't we? And it did... We were we were lucky in a way um, that you literally just had to put this because it's unlocked. You just put the SIM in, and then it was zero configuration. Um, I was thinking, oh, you'll have to log in, you'll have to do all sorts of things, but no, you didn't. Um, apparently, these from three um, and various other units, either dongles or MiFi units. Um, I was looking around because um, I'd heard other people having problems with um, three that the coverage just isn't there right now, um, which would make sense. I mean, we're in a pretty good area and according to the map we, we should get coverage but we didn't so heaven help you if you're somewhere a little bit more rural I think it just really depends some people get good service with T-Mobile some swear by Orange I think it just depends but we weren't doing very well with three um, and what they were suggesting was that you could unlock these devices now again I'm, I'm not sure it's a paid for service to unlock it I'm not sure I'd risk it I don't know about what the terms and conditions are when you sign up for it as well because it's on contract but i'd love to hear from anyone who's actually tried to unlock one of these locked mifis or a dongle um the place i found was uh, dc-unlocker.com and that uh, you bought some kind of credit on there and um they would unlock it so i've no idea how it works i don't get into any of that but um it is an alternative i suppose rather than getting an unlocked MiFi, and um, because the one from three at the moment you pay them 23 pounds a month and they give you um a MiFi, an eight gig ipod touch and five gig of data transfer a month so in a way it's like um an iphone without the phone part of it but you are then paying 23 pounds a month and if you think about the contract we're now on we're only paying 20 pounds a month and it is an iphone so um, or 19 pounds 99 yes obviously they can't add up either <laughs> But yeah, it's an alternative and uh, you've actually got some kind of connectivity at work, which is utterly amazing. So I'm not going to be able to mention sheep and fields much longer. <laughs> and the signal, of course, can only get better, I suppose, as um, they roll out more coverage. Yeah. So even better. Anyway, how are we doing for vanishing apps this week? Oh, dropping like flies, apparently, from the app store. Um, they're, they're getting rid of the um, apps of an adult nature. And uh, now they're getting rid of um, Wi-Fi sniffing apps. So I dread to think what's going next. Um, I think they're just having a purge ready for the iPad, which leads us nicely into, should we try again? Mm. One, two, three. iPad, iPad, iPad. iPad, iPad. iPad. Oh, no, see, that was much better. Ah, we're getting there. We can't not mention the product of the moment. Yes. April the 3rd in the States. <sighs> 
and us, of course, oh yes, end of April in the UK at the earliest. I'm not confident, you know. I've got a bad feeling about that. Uh, when they don't give you a, a, a date and then just sort of vaguely say, oh, the end of April, and not mention a year, I must admit, I do worry. And uh, we've not heard much from Apple, not that we ever do, but, you know, if they had something to tell us, we'd hear and we're not hearing. But in the States, the pre-orders are going crazy. So um, good luck to everybody who has pre-ordered. <laughs> Jealous only slightly. Muchly. Absolutely. <laughs> Grinding of teeth. There you go. And um, other news. Good news on battery replacements. They've uh, made the decision that if there is something wrong with the battery in your iPad, they uh, will not sw swap the battery. They will give you another iPad which sounds fabulous. And uh, should you have a problem within sort of 12 months, that sounds great. But um, the, the caveat in there is that uh, it could be a refurb. And wouldn't it be typical that you've looked after your iPad and your iPad is pristine and then when they replace it for you, uh, you know, it's uh, been out and it looks like it's been out. So, um, mm, swings and roundabouts on that one, I think. What do you think? Not too impressed with that policy. I'd rather they just made them so, you know, if the batteries... I mean, I touch wood have been okay with batteries and stuff. Um, my iPhone takes one on itself every now and then. It certainly wouldn't last longer than a day, but then I probably overuse it. So I have got our little monkey charger that comes with me. Um, but if there's a fault with a battery or something, then... I think it's a shame that you end up with something that might not work properly. We've had problems like that with um, Fujitsu, with the scanners, didn't we? Yeah, that was so. Fujitsu exchanged a scanner um, because it failed. Well, it was not exactly dead on arrival, but it had a fault on arrival. Um, and I really had to argue with them that it should be a new one, that I bought a new one. And it, it had only been here three days and I wanted a new one. And their policy is that if they're replacing anything, even in the first two weeks, it could be, well, it will be a refurb. Now, it might arrive and it might be absolutely fine, but we had um, a couple of years back um, our PC Fujitsu scanner and that we had used that for about 11 months, so it was still in guarantee, but it developed a fault and they said they'd exchange it. And the first one that arrived, I mean, clearly it was secondhand, wasn't it? And mm. it looked secondhand. Luckily... It, too, had a fault, so they had to replace that one. And the one that they replaced it with, uh, again, it was a refurb, but it didn't actually look too bad. And I think, it's you know, if your policy is you're going to swap it, then at least it's your decision. Most people would be happy with a new battery. If it's Apple's decision that, no, we're not going to train up people to swap batteries, we're just going to swap it, then at least give it like for like. Otherwise, somebody could take something in that's knocked about to blazes and get a brand new looking one where somebody who's looked after it takes it in and theirs is kind of a bit scratched and knocked about, which I just don't think's fair. And knowing the Apple Store, they're not going to do a sort of, oh, well, look, that's got two scratches, so let me go through the boxes and see if, and find one that's most equal to it. They're just going to pick the first one out. And I think that's potentially quite unfair in both circumstances, really, for the people who've looked after it and the ones who haven't, uh, they're sort of getting a free ride. So I'm not too sure about that. I'm happy that if I had a problem with the battery, you know, they will do something about it, but not too happy about what could happen. And I don't want any more run-ins with the Apple Store. I can well do without it. So we're still waiting for our iPad news, aren't we? We are. And in the meanwhile, let's look at some more software. 
Um, thanks to Aaron, one of our listeners, one of my uh, ex-colleagues, who sent me a DM this morning, and I promised that I'd do a review of this. It's something called Second Bar, which I've not heard of before. If you've got two monitors, I'm sure actually it says more than one monitor, but as I've only got two monitors, <laughs> I couldn't test it with three. But if you have more than one monitor, what it does is it displays the menu bar on both monitors. You can choose whether to have it on your primary or second. Well, when I say choose whether to have it on your primary or secondary monitor, uh, you've got the normal um, menu bar um, with your obviously your Apple at the left and the, the, the clock on the right. And that is non-movable. But this other one, you can actually configure it. Um, so you can drag it around, um, you can actually drag it into the middle of the screen, you can, you can position it anywhere, it doesn't have to be fixed at the top. So you can choose whether to have this second menu bar on your primary or secondary monitor. Um, you can change its transparency so you can virtually hide it or have it, have it very transparent or, or no transparent. Uh, and it's also got this great feature called window positioning, which works for any window on either screen. So it's configurable. So, for example, if you right click on the little green button, um, that will, well, when I say it will, uh, it's, its default settings are it'll maximise whichever window you've got clicked on the green button for. Uh, if you right click on the yellow button, it resizes it to the right half of the screen. If you right click on the red button, it resizes it to the left half of the screen. If you command and right click on the yellow button, it resizes it to the right half of the other monitor. So it really is totally configurable. Um, it looks a very useful piece of software because when I've got my two uh, when I've got my two monitors, I'm say constantly working on the left monitor and having to move my eyes over to the right monitor to see the menu bar. I don't know about you, I don't know if you've got used to just one um, one menu bar. I suppose you do get used to it, but having two just makes it a bit easier. Um, I have got used to having one. Um, I, I really use my second monitor. My I suppose my setup's slightly different than yours because yours is a laptop, so one's a 17-inch screen and the other one's 23. Yeah. So you want to use the 23 really as your main one when you're at home. Mm. But then you get used to being at work with a single monitor or a, a, a much smaller secondary monitor and you probably want the menu on the other one. With yeah. mine, it's two 24 inches. They're exactly the same size they're exactly the same resolution and i just get used to the fact that my secondary one um is where i put certain things so if i'm doing a presentation um i will be working on my main screen and that's sort of the overflow screen so it could have on it um my my notes that i'm training from it would have my email on it it would probably have twitter on it it would probably have a browser open and i don't really worry about it not having a menu bar no i don't but I can imagine it with your setup on a laptop that I probably would. Yeah. Um, they say it doesn't work. It's still in beta, by the way, and it's free. Um, but they say it doesn't work with some applications. Somebody on their website mentioned Photoshop, but I tested that and it does work for me. Uh, probably because Photoshop's still written in um, Carbon. I mm. think it's a Carbon app. But maybe it was an older version of Photoshop. They did, they did make a lot of changes for CS4, bringing uh, things up to date, because it was the first suite that they were actually really trying to integrate um, all the Macromedia products. So uh, maybe that's why it's working. Anyway, at the other end of the scale is something that I found when I was looking at that. Uh, and my pick was called uh, Menuless. 
So completely the other end of the scale. Uh, it gives you no menu at all. It takes the menu away for individual applications. Um, apparently uh, the, the developer developed it because of a product that he previously used which was no longer supported on Leopard. So um, he built this thing to do the same job as something he previously used. He acknowledges it's not pretty and I believe it has to hack the application package itself. Um, but if you do want to run something with no menu and uh, and or no dock icon, then um, it's an option for you. So I'll put a link in for that as well. And when you said second bar, I thought you were going to talk about space bar. No, I'll leave you to do Which is my tech temptation of the week. Oh, people, it's gorgeous. I, I can't even remember where I found this, but um, it's gorgeous. It is... Um, how would you describe that? It's, um, well, it's just gorgeous, isn't it? Oh, no, get a grip of yourself. All right, it's got six um, USB ports on it, um, and it is for your keyboard. I think it's supposed to go over your keyboard. So it's like a little shelf, and it goes over your keyboard, although I looked at it, and I automatically thought the keyboard would sit on the top of it. Maybe that's just how I work, because then probably what I'd slide underneath it is a notepad. I'm, I'm still an analogue girl at times. So um, it's gorgeous. It's, it's metal. It's a shelf. It's about the size of your keyboard, fractionally bigger, with where the legs are that hold it up. Are you sniggering at me? Not at all. Uh, I can hear you sniggering. You see, you are. Um, the two legs that hold it up have three USB ports on either side, and it is just gorgeous. Sadly, I can't find one available in the UK. And you know what this means, don't you? The silly exchange rate, the import duty and the VAT is going to more than double the price, probably. But uh, it's actually only $48, which I thought was quite good value for what it is. I'm sure if that lands in the UK Apple Store, it'll probably be, I would say £48, but it's more likely to be about £68, yeah. I reckon. <laughs> but uh, I'd be tempted by that. I think it's a beautiful accessory. It, it looks kind of Apple quality to it um, and very useful as well with those USB ports. Yeah, definitely. Because um, on my keyboard, depending on the actual pen drive I use, older pen drive just won't fit in. Um, they're not flat enough. Whereas with these, you could actually just you know, quickly plug um, an iPod Nano in or, or whatever and then just quickly again unplug it. Yeah, there's no fiddling around at the back of it and there's six of them. I think, uh, now are they powered? I don't know. I don't think they are powered. But it just looks absolutely gorgeous. So on top of all the stuff that the other guys were tempting me with, like that gorgeous case from Derek, still lusting after that. Oh, and that docking station that Gaz found. Now I want this as well. So I'll probably end up bankrupting myself, but it's gorgeous. I need to go shopping into the States, don't I? Mm. But only to tech places. Don't make me go anywhere else, just tech places. What are you doing? Yes, it's very annoying. Do, do explain to everybody. Uh, yes, I will. A um, couple of weeks ago when we were recording, uh, or just before we started recording, I was clicking around and you said, what's that? And I said, it's my trackpad on my new MacBook Pro. Um, and it is very annoying. It's very loud. Uh, and in fact, I was recording a little um, training video for... Um, a problem that I found in PowerPoint I wanted to put on my blog. And it was only afterwards, when I listened back to it, that I realised how loud it is. Uh, and it's a known issue. It's actually a known issue. I looked it up on Google and I found um, something on the Apple support forum. 
Um, somebody said uh, it was so loud on the train that people were looking at me. So the uh, the fix is actually to take your MacBook apart and there's a screw somewhere and... Um, I thought you said it involved slipping a piece of paper under it or something. Yes, I think that's that was one of the fixes. That there is just ridiculous. A couple of fixes. It is incredibly loud. Yeah. Um, I've got the 17-inch, uh, the older model, and it doesn't make anything like that kind of noise. I hadn't noticed it on my father's 13-inch either. So I don't know if it's just one with a 17-inch. Probably not, actually. But mm. it's it's incredibly loud. It probably yeah. sounds louder to me because of how we're recording this. But, I mean, if, if you, it's picking it up when you're recording, then, yes, that's bad news. So now I'm having to use my real Logitech mouse when we're recording. Ah, but that's no hardship. because It's no hardship. It just adds two more pieces of equipment that I have to carry with me. Because, of course, I've got the Logitech mouse and I've got the little receiver. But uh, if it keeps you happy. Well, it does. I don't like the noise. Anyway, feedback and comments. This week, we have the exciting news. We have fashion tips from Mac Jim. The yes, real McJim. The real McJim. The real McJim says, Hootsman, something's wrong with those thongs. You're wearing them wrong. They should be worn on your... Question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. Because <laughs> we want to keep the clean time. I think you'll find that the online Woolies is not the same company as the Woolies that went bust. I thought we were back to woolen thongs again. So, so was I then. <laughs> oh, yes, yes I, that was my story about Woolworths. And, That's and, uh, right. Their shady dealings with the Apple Care. I remember. Um, it yes, it, I, I did see um, that it was a company. I think they're based in Merseyside. Um, and they, they would appear to have bought the name. So they are trading as Woolworths.co.uk. But uh, yes, I don't think it is actually the same company that, that went bust. But there again, this one doesn't look any more efficient than the last one. No. So, uh, yes. Yeah. So thank you for that, Mac Jim. Yes, you're quite right. It should be worn on. Yes. So uh, I do hope people have seen those pictures. I know people who were too scared to go and look. <laughs> As if I pose wearing a thong. Real thong. Oh. UK thong, not Australian thong on Mac Bites. Oh, I'm shy. I think we'll keep that till Christmas. <laughs> oh, well, yes, we'll put it on, on the Mac Bites Christmas card. I can see it now. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, talking of mice. We have some feedback from Gazmas. We have an audio clip from Gazmas, so I shall hand over to Gazmas right now. Well, hello, Elaine and Mike. After listening to the latest Mac Bites, ooh, that'll be number 41 for the week commencing Monday the 22nd of February. Sorry about that, that's just in case you have a small spell away from the microphone before number 42. Oh, sorry about that. That's a little bit below the belt, I know, but it had to be said. <laughs> well, I'd like to tell you about my experience with the Magic Mouse, as it seemed that I was also going to receive one for Christmas from Mrs. Gazmaz. The story went slightly differently to Andy's, though. On Christmas morn, I had a present given to me with a label, which said Gary and a little number one in the top right-hand corner of the label. I opened the box and enclosed was a pink mouse. I've attached a picture. In fact, I should perhaps send the mouse up to Manchester. You'll see why when you're looking at it. Well, after opening that box, I was given another box, or present, with the label Gary number 2. Inside this time 
was a motorised mouse, one of those that you drag backwards along the floor and let go. It then scoots off across the surface. I've enclosed a couple of videos. I had already gathered that another box might perhaps be labelled number three and could be coming my way. This is in fact what happened, and this box had some weight to it, so my expectation rose. However, after opening the box, I found yet another mouse, a rather elegant beast, and an apple. Well, with a great big smile on my face and full of anticipation for perhaps a fourth and final box, I looked at Mrs. Gazmaz, who was looking rather upset. Before I could ask why the long face, she said to me, It got lost in the post, and Apple had to send another, but that wouldn't be here until the 7th of January. She'd gone to the store, and like Andy, or Andy's wife, had found that they were completely sold out, in the UK it seemed. So she ordered in plenty of time, but the unit never arrived. Not lost in space, but lost in Royal Mail. Well, the second unit came via UPS, but the story didn't end there, as I had to go and collect, because the delivery occurred during the heavy snow we had in early January, and the van couldn't get to the house due to unfavourable road conditions. <laughs> Was I ever going to get this ruddy mouse, I thought. After collecting it and opening up the box, I immediately loved it. No buttons, yay! Unlike some, I don't like having too many buttons. To me, it's like having to remember where the G-spot is. And all I want to do is get on with it. Ooh, missus. <laughs> Although, an extra preference pane that I can highly recommend is Magic Prefs. This gives all sorts of G-spot actions, if that's really what floats your boat. Now, in the last episode, you were also talking about SIM-only contracts. I'd like to mention that, as you may know, I have a Novatel MiFi, and I actually started off using a SIM from an O2 dongle. That dongle, perchance, I actually got to sell, without the SIM, of course, because someone was looking for a spare as theirs had broken. Anyway, that is a SIM, and it's on a pay-as-you-go monthly, weekly, or daily contract. I normally take the monthly one at a cost of £15 a month with a 3 gigabyte limit. However, I'm actually on Virgin as an ISP at home, no Elaine, no comments about virgins please, and they do a discounted rate for existing customers, uh, a similar dongle that I could buy for a single payment of £25 and a monthly contract of £8, which is the discounted rate, for a download limit of 1GB. Um, that option can be cancelled after the first couple of months I believe, or if you go for the dongle and SIM as a free package, you have to sign up for an 18-month contract. I've asked a few people, and it seems that actually any dongle-stroke-SIM contract can be used with a MiFi device. But I do think that the network carriers are missing a trick by not doing SIM-only contracts, though I think Vodafone may have started to go down that route. Anyway, before I go, one last thing. You kindly shared with us on the IMP podcast recently a link for the latest Opera build. And as you said, the tabs are at the top, and I'm sure Gazmaz would like this. But I'd just like to point out that they are above the toolbar, but not quite at the top, like the Safari tabs were. These, in the Opera browser, are at the top of the frame, whereas Safari's, when it had them, 
were at the top of the window. Close, but not close enough. Not a bad try, though. As usual, keep up the podcasts, and it's always great to listen to. Thanks very much. See you soon. Bye. Oh, before I go, have a great Mac week. Well, thank you for that, Gaz. May I just say, there's just no pleasing some people, is there? At the top is at the top, as opposed to anywhere else, but never mind. And as you heard, we uh, came to the same conclusion you did regarding the MiFi, and we too ended up with Virgin. Where we differ is the mice. Ah, mice. Um, Yeah, we were in the Apple Store in uh, Manchester Arndale a couple of weeks ago. Um, It was actually the same day that we bought the the Virgin stuff. Uh, We promised to say hi to Alex and Alex from the Apple Store. Um, Now, you got hands-on with the new rodent, didn't you? I did. Are you going to put Andy in Surrey out of his misery? I suppose I should, shouldn't I? (laughs) Anyway, hi to Alex and Alex. Very nice looking after us. Yes, Andy in Surrey and his extensive review and temptation of me to uh, partake of a magic mouse. Well, I got hands-on with one in said Apple store. And yes, it's far better than the Mighty Mouse. And if I had a choice between the two of them, then I would choose a magic mouse. Absolutely. I do think, though, it is expensive. Um, it's £56, I I believe, and I think it's easy to lose sight of the value of £56 the minute you walk through the door of an Apple store, I find. Don't you find that? Uh, I do. Yeah, you know, if you were somewhere else and they said, oh, yes, it's a mouse, it's £56, you'd you'd be horrified. But you go into Apple and and they say it's £56, and you say, oh, that's quite reasonable. Would you like to take some more? Uh, I just think you do lose lose perspective on it. I think that is incredibly expensive. Um, My MX Revolution was £47 when I bought it, and it's still going strong after 15 months. Yeah, great uh, for the hours that you've used it, isn't it? Exactly. I'm not sure that a magic mouse, having had my hands on it, would last me as long. Um, it was it was comfortable. Um, it was nice. It didn't feel as well made. Um, it was heavier than I thought it would be. It has got that metal bottom on it. So that was better. But I'm still not sold on the, the build quality of it. Um, it seems like more like a, a toy in a way. You know, it, it is what it is. It, it's the mouse that ships with with an iMac, for instance. And people who have an iMac, it wants something that looks nice, and it does, it looks great. And I think if you use these extra preference panes as well, and you get extra features with it, and that's fantastic. But it doesn't feel to me, or it didn't feel to me, like a heavy-duty mouse, the kind of mouse that I use. And we had a chat with Alex, didn't we? That was the first Alex. And I was saying about the buttons on my mouse. Um, and that this thing was programmable so you know were they thinking that it was extensible in a way and I might be able to program it somehow to do all that and he looked at it and he looked at me and he said you know I I think you're probably better off with what you've got (laughs) it's not really intended for that and and I've got to agree with him Um, that was my take on it now Andy thinks that I bought one because I had an apple bag (laughs) and I took a picture of said apple bag but Andy I'm sorry. No, I didn't. I didn't partake. What was in the bag was a keyboard because I do love my Apple keyboards and I virtually 
worn holes in the keys, haven't I? This is mm. the kind of use that they get. So I bought a keyboard, but no, I did not partake of the mouse. Um, I like the build quality of my MX Revolution. I like the feel of it. And I cannot now do without the buttons. Now, I mentioned to you the other day, because you've had yours a lot less time than I have. And I said to you when you got it, you know, program the buttons. Um, this is how I have mine programmed. It makes logical sense to me, but it's up to you. Um, and you were like, oh, good grief. And you looked awkward with it as you were trying to copy and paste and stuff. But I noticed the other day it was second nature, wasn't it? Yeah, I just got used to it. Absolutely. And that's the thing. If I was still using a Mighty Mouse, I'd snatch your hand off for a Magic Mouse. I really would. But my MX Revolution is far better. So I didn't partake. Andy's going to be very annoyed with me now, isn't he? Yes. Hey, don't shout at me, Andy. You wouldn't do that to me, would you? <laughs> oh, I was naughty teasing, wasn't I? Should we move on to events? Yes, if you like. <laughs> Okay, uh, MacBytes Live, 18th of March, which is uh, this Thursday, isn't it? Uh, 8 o'clock in the evening, British, it's not British summertime, is it? Let's, let's no, not, not yet, don't no. get giddy, no. No, um, still GMT, yeah, 8 o'clock in the evening, Thursday the 18th of March. You are doing a presentation on OmniGraffle. I am, it's all things diagramming, so um, OmniGraffle, I'll probably at some point crank up fireworks, but probably won't shut it. Wouldn't want <laughs> everybody to have to suffer what I have to suffer. Um, and, and a couple of other applications, yes, but probably mainly OmniGraffle. And uh, all things diagramming, wireframes, prototypes, that kind of stuff. Yeah, and the week after, something for sliders. 25th of March, same time, 8 o'clock. And that's still not British summertime, is it? Nope. Nope. No. Nope. Uh, Office 2010. That's me. Well, obviously it wouldn't be you. Yeah, I'm doing the first 10 minutes. Yeah. And then I'm handing it off and I'm washing my hands of it. <laughs> Again, we'll be there from about half past seven for the early birds. So pop in, have a chat, listen to me prattling on about Office and stay for the chat afterwards. Well, at least you'll talk about all the new features, but it's not the Mac version. No. So it's for the sliders, isn't it? Those people that have to use it at work, like me. Yes, those poor, poor people who have to suffer it. Uh, but isn't it the most significant, significant release, release to date? date. <laughs> yes, it usually is, isn't it, from Microsoft? Everything's the most significant release to date, so I'm sure it is. I still don't like the look of it. I never really got to grips with the ribbon at all. Because it wasn't it adaptive, didn't it adapt to how you work? Yeah. So it was supposed to second guess what you wanted. It never second guessed anything I wanted. Gave me lots of options I, I didn't want. And seemed to take a great perverse delight in hiding all the options I was looking for. Mm. So no, and I, I just don't understand the logic of an interface that changes. It doesn't make sense to me. But there you go. Ah, can I have that as a little rant of the week? Just a little rant of the week. <laughs> okay. Ah, good. Managed to get that in. Well, that's it for this episode of MacBytes. As always, we would love to hear from you. So you can send your questions, comments, queries by email to macbytesuk at gmail.com. Uh, use the contact form on the website or follow Gazzy's lead and send us an audio file. And how about leaving a comment on the show notes at macbytes.co.uk? Our show notes are sad and neglected. That's because you're all giving us feedback via Twitter. So uh, go visit the show notes and uh, leave a comment there in memorial. It'll be there forever. Uh, you can follow us uh, at MacBytes at, at Twitter, so twitter.com slash MacBytes. And you can follow me personally on Twitter at twitter.com slash Elaine Giles. And you can follow me at twitter.com slash Thomas Mike. Oh, well done. So until next time, it's been Elaine and Mike bringing you MacBytes.
Goodbye. Goodbye and see you next time. I managed to do it again. Why do I write Mike and Elaine? <laughs> and then nearly say it. Oh. <sighs>